Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode that cannot be stopped. Maybe it's unstoppable, if you will. This is Action Movie Anatomy, episode 87. Tony Scott's brilliant magnus opus, Unstoppable. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Action Movie Anatomy. Yeah. Oh my god, this song just puts me in a, It's just like, it's just sex This is what Denzel's <laughs> alarm clock is It's just when he just gets out of bed He's like, alright, here we go, here we go It's gotta be Yeah, it definitely It's is. gotta be Then it like turns off and He's like, alright Then he like turns on the shower And it starts playing again <laughs> He's got it, he's got it rigged to, every, to like every appliance And switch in his house He like puts like puts toaster And like starts playing again Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, I hate that song <laughs> Yes, dude, it's the last one. Oh, it's like such a bittersweet moment. It because... really is. All right, guys, this is Action Movie Anatomy. We cover action movies on this show. This is the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated. I'm just too excited. <laughs> dedicated to talking movies and all things movie related. I'm your host, Ben Bateman. This is my co host, Mr. Andrew Guy. What's up, everybody? I'm here. Thank you for the, uh, the golf clap. You're right. It, bittersweet is the best way to describe it, man. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like we just need to. We have to do it eventually, but as soon as we do, it's just done. Yeah, so I want to get right into it, guys. Um, if you want to follow along with the conversation on the show, the podcast itself is on Twitter, at AMA Podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a good Twitter. People have been very interactive with us. Yeah. You can find us personally, at Ben Bateman Media. And you can find me, at Andrew Guy. And, uh, yeah, we talk about action movies on this show. Those movies adhere to four basic rules. Number one, the hero always plays by their own rules. Yeah, totally, absolutely. Any uh, movie Denzel's in. Yeah, any movie, any movie Denzel's in. Um, rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. I mean, I guess to some degree the train is the villain, and that makes, because it's unstoppable, it is the smartest thing. Like, it's Denzel is the smartest guy in the room, and the train is, like, outsmarting him by, like, yeah. being unstoppable. <laughs> yeah, and, like, un- un- that's a really weak out- villain description. Yeah, it really is, like, <laughs> outsmarting the entire, uh, I just want to say MTA, because it just reminds me of taking Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, let's just let's just give that a loose yes. Um, movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure, or you can work for the man. Or, yeah, that's, that's yeah political. Like, you yeah. can work for the man or be the man. Exactly. And so that's, he, literally was just created for Denzel and yeah, taking. Yeah, <laughs> and so it works again in this one, which is great. And rule number four: there's a minimum of one explosion. Uh, there's definitely at least one explosion yes. in every Tony Scott movie. Absolutely. Um, that's like a hallmark of Tony Scott. The the rich man's Michael Bay. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, oh God, it's my favorite thing about Tony Scott movies with Man on Fire and Taking and Deja and Unstoppable is literally as soon as the production companies are done being listed, it's just yeah. like grainy, shot, sound. He's officially entered his green period during this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, guys, we're going to get just straight into this. Uh, the reason this is relevant, for those of you listening or watching, maybe you're thinking to yourselves, why the fuck are you guys doing Unstoppable? What's relevant about that movie? Fair question to ask. So, Tony Scott, the younger brother of Ridley Scott, did five movies with Denzel Washington. Um, Those five movies are Crimson Tide. He came back together with him ten years later for Man on Fire in 2004. Mm -hmm. Deja Vu in 2007. The Taking of Pelham 123 in 2009. And finally, Unstoppable in 2010. There is some quality to those movies that Andrew and I have come to love during this show. There's an appreciation for the man that is Tony Scott that we never knew we had. And I have to say, aside from, like, just the development of the Tom Cruise obsession that this show has, has like, birthed us, <laughs> yeah. um, that's the other most distinctive characteristic of the show for me. Oh, 100%. I don't think there's any other... No, it's, it's either Tom Cruise or Denzel and Tony. Those are our only two things that we nerd out about the most. And watching this <clears throat> movie will remind... If, if you watch this show and then you want to go revisit the catalog, and this movie especially, because this, mm-hmm. this is, and we'll get to why this movie is relevant... This is a prime example of their movie making together. It's such a simple movie. Um, So we're going to get straight into it, guys. We're going to start before we show you the trailer with something we call the name game. Now, (laughs) this is a good one because uh, this movie is called Unstoppable. It's about a train that cannot be stopped. Hence the title. It's the title. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Uh, Andrew and I were both tasked with the the challenge of coming up with a better name than Unstoppable. The name game. And there isn't one. This movie, nothing happens in this movie aside from a train on a track that's going really fast, and these two guys that are like developing a mutual respect. Yeah, 
which is like a common theme, I think, in, at least in the two train movies. It's funny because um, <clears throat> we usually like to do this for movies. Or, first of all, let's do this real quick. Happy birthday, James Finneran. I know you're a big fan of ours. Ah, happy birthday, James. Yeah, that's cool. He just said it's his birthday and he's watching his favorite show. And then uh, we got Bassist, who was just listening to uh, Still Dre. Okay. And then we got Joel Hammett, who was like, why are they doing this movie? Which is perfect <laughs> that we're talking about it right now. Uh <clears throat> Anyways, what I was saying is that we like to do the name game for movies with like very generic names like John Wick or Jack Reacher or Unstoppable. Right. But <laughs> we've also found out that it's, <laughs> it's fucking hard to come up with a creative name. And like Unstoppable is really the best name for this movie. I was like, The Tracks of Destiny or... Uh, a, a missile on the train. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? The Chrysler building or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any good names? Um, the ones that came to mind for me were like Collision Course okay. or like Broken Track. But or no. <laughs> yeah, it's not even broken. <laughs> or like uh, Tracks of Peril Tra- or or like um, the Tracks of Destiny. I, the, the one that kept coming to mind for me was something about the destination. Like destination destruction, final destination. Yeah, right. Something That's like good. that. Something like that. Uh, I was trying to think of something like with the two of their relationship forming. But right. Yeah, I don't I know. Don't know. It's, it's hard. It's harder than you guys think. I think the real reason we even because I was we, we sat down. I was like, I can't think of a, a name. Should we just cut it? And you're like, No, I think it's a no. I think it's, it's a, a good, good thing to talk about. So you guys, we're looking to you. Throw some names at us in the live chat, and if you guys think of a great. <laughs> Speed three. That's a great name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the taking of Pelham one two four. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's just fun, short, stupid. That's the name game. I can't think of any. I want to do something with like Thomas the Tank Engine, but that's that's just reaching really far. <laughs> yeah, I mean something like you know, blood on the tracks or <laughs> but no blood is on. Yeah, the- oh, Marissa. Yeah, we got Marissa Serafini up in the booth. Everybody. I don't know why I point up because she's not up there. She's not above us. Uh, <laughs> she's she's the over there. in the sky right now. Uh, Marissa, do you have a name for Unstoppable that you could think of? Not right now. See? I'll try to think of. It's one. very hard. <laughs> very difficult. So before we get into thesis statement, guys, let's cue the trailer mm-hmm. and just get a sense. This is. I think this is a prime trailer. It's like. Yeah. I don't think it's like that. It's the best trailer but it's like prime in the sense that it's just very representative of the time and the kind of movie this is and and who's in it yeah big time all right all right then okay okay i'm will colson we're working together today i train 1206 is there a problem i just don't like working at a damn daycare center i don't like working at a retirement home so oh. all right all right all right this then training and training they just give you an f out here you get killed Thanks, being a train conductor Sword sounds super Sword intense. Stories. How about you? You married? Got two beautiful daughters. Got two beautiful daughters. Yeah. Have <laughs> fun. What do we do when we get to a railroad crossing? Of course, Denzel has two beautiful daughters. He always has two beautiful daughters. Wife died of cancer. We have an train rolling yeah. into a highly populated area with no air brakes? Yeah. Over six, over six. What's up? There's an unmanned train on the northbound track. It's under power? It's coming straight at us. What are we worried about in terms of cargo? Eight freight cars of hazardous chemicals. We're not just talking about a train. We're talking about a missile. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. Nice, Rosario. Where the train is. We're not exactly sure. I kind of love sure. Rosario we'll Dawson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It gets worse. I met her before. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so she's stunning in real life. She's very pretty. Yeah. Train that size going that fast. Vaporize anything in front of it. We have been told to anticipate an event radius 20 to 45 miles. The only way to stop that kind of power. Grab, grab it by it the by tail. tail. Gun in the opposite direction. And you're just the man for oh, the you job, Denzel. You want to kill yourself, you do it alone. All right, you do what you want. All right. Wait. I'm not risking this company just because some engineer wants to play hero. <laughs> This trailer makes trains look like terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> Crimson train. That's good. That's good. This trailer makes trains look like terrorists. He said that. Joel Hammett. That's pretty good, Joel. That's pretty good. <laughs> Name game. Emotional reaction. Tell your sister I love you both. The train is increasing in speed. I love that they're shooting. Nuclear cargo. <laughs> Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Close your eyes if you want. You got a real knack for inspiring confidence, you know that? (laughs) 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 Unbelievable. Oh Oh, my god. I'm so sad he's gone. I'm just so 
fucking sad he's gone. I, Me too. I wonder how many more amazing Tony Scott Denzel movies with Rosario Dawson showing up there would have been. And uh, Kevin Dunn or his clone. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Michael Raspoli, who's... Uh, yep, yep. Yeah, he right, loves yeah. Michael Raspoli. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just bummed about it. I was just going to keep saying the same thing over and over. I don't need to do that. Yep. <clears throat> All right, so guys, uh, we are going to get into thesis statement. So thesis statement is uh, your bold thought on the movie, the thing that you try to share as kind of your uh, your, your party trick. Your uh, I, This is what I know about this movie. It's your strongest idea. Your boldest thought should be almost like rooted in hyperbole, and uh, we're going to share ours now. So it's a, we're a little handicapped on this one because it's hard for all of our ideas not to circle back to what we sort of open the show with which is that we have come to appreciate and like characterize the Tony Scott Denzel thing in a way that it's not like that's common knowledge it's yeah, not like not people talk about you know uh, some directors will sort of be in the consensus top 10 of all time or you know Tom Cruise is kind of one of the best few action stars in most people's minds ever yeah. like it's not like and Denzel's you know one of the great most popular leading men ever but the combination of Tony Scott and Denzel being something relevant is people not something talk about that. you hear uh, yesterday, uh, on on my way to um, rehearsal, uh, I was sitting in the car with my my teammates, and we were talking. I, I was just thinking about the show because I just finished watching Unstoppable. Yeah, and so <clears throat> I'd I've been like, "Hey, Jack, have you seen Unstoppable?" He's like, "That's a train one, right?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." What do you think about it? And we kind of talked a little bit, and with the driver, and I was like, "The reason that we're doing it on the show is because Ben and I we love the collaboration of Tony Scott and Denzel." And he's like, "Really?" And I went on this like fifteen minute tangent yeah. about all the movies they'd been in, and. <laughs> I, I kid you not. I say all this, and Jack's like, wow, that's a really good point. And the, the driver just cuts him off and goes, holy fuck, you know your movies. Yeah. He just turns and looks at me like he's wide-eyed. I was like, yeah, man. And he's like, I need to go watch all of those movies. Yeah. He's like, start with Man on Fire. It's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. I think, oh, I don't know. We've, like Crimson? We, we've ranked them before. I think yeah. we ranked them on the Deja Vu episode. I actually have my moments when I love each one of them the most. They're, they're, they're all great for such different reasons. And, like, Taking a Pelham, as much as I don't like that movie for the show, and as much yeah. as I kind of... Uh, shit on it have made a career making show. fun of it <laughs> uh, there's a couple of moments in that film that are so great that that are better than almost any yeah like that it, that's that, the moments in that film are just as good as any moment in any of the other Denzel Tony Scott films yeah yeah, yeah. I, I think there's like a moment and a thing about each movie that makes me want to watch them again mm-hmm. uh, they always kind of come they come back around for me and now like sort of noticing all the things that he does um, I feel that way more and more so my thesis statement is going to be this Unstoppable is the simplest, cleanest, and ultimately least necessary, but most representative movie Tony Scott hmm. made with Denzel. Fitting that it's the last movie they, that they made together. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> I, when, I, when I say that, what I mean is, if you think about the five movies they made, this one has the least happening. It's the, yeah. it's the least going on. There's, it's literally like, you know, point A to point B. There's not line. even a villain. The villain's a train. Yeah. It's basically just all the hallmarks. It's Denzel at his most movie starish, just like just living in it, being a movie yeah. star. You even Chris <clears throat> Pine is kind of like could be anybody. Like yeah. he's fine. He's totally good in this. Like I think he does a good job. There's so little pretense with this movie. All of the all of the other characters, these sort of like caricatures of bureaucratic fill-ins. You know the the. Uh, I mean, you yard only... operator, you know, Kevin Dunn mm-hmm. playing, you know, this Galvin, who's this totally irrelevant villain. Like, none of them matter. They're there to, like, basically punctuate and further the plot for just Denzel. Yeah, absolutely. Because if Kevin Dunn was not in the film, there would still be a runaway train that needed to be stopped. And it wouldn't be Kevin Dunn. It would be Michael Rispoli. Yeah, or it, it would be John Turturro. Or it would be... Just someone that thinks that what you're doing is dumb. There's always that guy yeah. that just kind of shits on what you're doing. Uh, and he's smarter. Um <clears throat> So I have a couple thesis statements. I have my original one that I've been saying for a year and a half, and that's that you cannot have a great action movie yep. without a great villain. Yep. And I think this is a good action movie. I think it's fun. I like it. It is not a great action movie, and I think most people can agree with that. But what I did want to say is that what's the great... Or, or, like, my other thesis I was kind of thinking about is that is there a better actor-director combo out there? There's, like... Leo and Scorsese is, like, famous. That's a big and one. And De Niro and Scorsese. And De Niro and Scorsese. So those are the two big ones. And then, like, you know, what other, like, who does Cameron have? It was Hamilton for a minute. Yeah, I mean, you know, or Bill, Bill, Bill Paxton. Paxton. Right, he shows up, like, in all of his movies. I mean, if you're looking for, like, leading man combos, I mean, yeah, or, or you could... Fuqua has used Denzel twice now. Yeah, three times, though, right? What's the, or just oh, the, two. Uh, what's the middle one? Because I know there's Mag 7 and Training Day. And Equalizer. And Equalizer. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's that's a hard one. I think it's I think tough. when you're trying to come up with like the leading the leading man combo, I think that's a little harder to come up with. I think it's easy to say, you know, PT used uh, PSH, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman that's in a, a pretty one. pretty remarkable way. What three three times? Um, no, four times. He's got a small role in Sydney. Then he's obviously great in Boogie Nights. Yeah. He's got a great role in Magnolia. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not in. No, he's in. He's got a great role in Punch Drunk Love. Oh, he's yeah, got a he's great role. In the, he's Drunk. great in The Master. Yeah, um, he's very good in The Master. So I mean, he definitely used him a lot. That is a very good PT and PSH might be better because I'm I like both of them more. But yeah, but I agree with you. I mean, in terms of like a guy that could sort of get what he wanted in the right way out of a movie star. Yeah, uh, that's a thing. That's a thing that's hard to do. And you know, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about the moments here in a second, but. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a writer online uh, named Jesse, and he wrote an article for the AV Club. Uh, you can find Jesse at Rock Marooned, uh, and it's this great article talking about Tony Scott and Denzel. And he writes he writes uh, articles about directors that have worked with actors three times or more. Okay. So uh, if there's a collaboration three times, he'll write an article. And so this one was about uh, Scott and Denzel, and I thought it was really interesting. What he kind of said was that since Training Day, since the Oscar. Denzel's kind of made all these movies. He sort of attempted... He's attempted to get Oscars. He's gotten a couple nominations in there. Mm-hmm. But that ultimately, the best moments in that time have come from movies that either were Tony Scott Denzel movies or felt like they should have been Tony Scott Denzel movies. Which is like, what, the Fuquas and the Qs? He's, he basically suggests the Equalizer sh- just should have been a oh, Tony Scott movie. absolutely should be. Um <clears throat> Magnificent Seven really could have and should have just been a Tony Scott movie. It would have been so crazy to see him do a Western. Yeah, but like, so the, the, the quote that I pulled from his article here is, one major difference between Scott and other directors who have worked repeatedly with Washington, including Spike Lee, Antoine Fuqua, and Ed Zwick, is that Washington never won or was nominated for an Oscar in any Tony Scott movies. Their work hmm. together is unabashed, unembarrassed, if occasionally self-serious pulp with no real pretense of actorly grandeur. And that's so fucking true. That's the best part about these movies. That's, that, yeah, exactly. It's because Denzel is just existing. Yeah, you don't you know? watch being like, God, Denzel is going to... He's, he's hell really, of a performance. Hell of a performance by Denzel in this movie. It's like, it's a hell of a movie star performance. Yeah. You know? And they're all... He puts... That, that's the other thing I was thinking about Tony Scott is that every one of these movies, even though Tony Scott didn't direct Out of Time, mm-hmm. could just be called Out of Time. Yeah. Every fucking movie they make together, we're running out of time to determine whether or not the, the launch codes need to be activated so we can blow up the Russians. We're running out of time to save Dakota Fanning. Let's put the time of day on the screen. <coughs> we're, we're running out of time because in four days, Paula Patton's going to get murdered yep. with this time machine thing. We're, yeah. we're running out of time because this, this hostage negotiation with this crazy guy trying to hike is going to kill people. We're running out of time because this train's going to blow up a city. Like That's crazy. They're, it they all could they just be, all called, could just be called, called out of time. Yeah. That is brilliant. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's like a lot of the <clears> movies <throat> that he made during that for, that time. I mean, this, the movie Out of Time, obviously. John Q, he's yeah. running out of time. Like, it's yeah. just sort of like he just put himself in this period of his career where, like, he was just content making these movies that were these sort of, like, action, man of action. The it man of action. It's so fun for him. That, I mean, because. <sighs> So, like, the Denzel roles that, like, really blow you away that people talk about, it's, like, it's almost too denzel now. You know what I mean? Like, when you go back and you watch Training Day, yeah. it is a little too denzel Yeah, the denzel is it's off the charts. It's a lot. Yeah. But, I mean, if you love him as much as we do, it's fantastic. But what's so great about these is that he is such... He is so nonchalant and casual yeah. about being Denzel. And he just slips it in. Like, my favorite line is my favorite line because... Denzel says it. It's like only Denzel could get away with saying that line. Yeah, and I would sit there and be like, "Ah, oh, yeah, man, that's great." You like know? that. Yeah, he's just <laughs> there's just something about it. So, um, what we've decided to come up with here was we we believe that the Tony Scott Denzel Washington combination results in one or more of these perfect moments. Yeah, these. Uh, I love it. I love it when Jesse says here in the article, "If occasionally self serious pulp," because yeah. they are self serious. But if you just abandon your pretense you can appreciate the fact that these these moments are what make these movies more than what they appear to be which is just kind of surface level action movies yeah and and you know what that's an excellent thesis as well is that every Tony Scott Denzel movie has a moment in it that legitimizes it it makes it worth appreciating not watching appreciating yeah right and I think that's a really cool thing for us to talk about so let's go in and we'll go we'll go chronologic here we'll start with Crimson Tide 
So Crimson Tide uh, is is great. Uh, we've done the episode on the show before. Yeah, and you you actually had <clears throat> basically introduced this movie to me. I watched it yeah. once, maybe fifteen years ago, and the scene where Denzel is refusing to give up control and taking over yeah. over Gene Hackman. What is it that he says? What is he doing there? He's uh they're arguing, they're arguing and Hackman's like, you know, they're fueling their missiles. We got and, and Denzel looks at him and he's like, "Captain Ramsey, under operating procedures governing the release of nuclear weapons, we cannot launch our missiles unless both you and I agree." Both you and I agree. And it's just like you're just like, "Yes." Yeah. Like you fucking got this cuz we know you're right cuz we know he's a cowboy. <laughs> you're on your side. We yeah. know he's crazy. And then they they argue some more about arresting him and he's like and then Cobb is like, "Captain, the Exo's right." And it's this, just that whole scene is so great. That look that Gene gives him after he's like, yeah. he's right. He's just like, oh, yeah, it looks like a kill, man. This is the only one of the five movies. There's two. There's two major differences in Crimson Tide and the other four. <clears throat> one, Denzel was still in like prime physical shape, so he yeah. is he rep, he sort of resembles a leading man in the traditional sense of the word, uh, with like muscles and abs in a way that he doesn't later in his career. Yeah. Tony Scott re- like revives him as much more of like an everyman type. But in this one, he is a much more but at the same time, he's overshadowed in this movie by Gene Hack. I was just gonna say it's the only movie where uh in this list that we're talking about where he's not the main guy. Like, he is, but Gene, I mean, he's Gene Hackman. Right. You know, they're, they're going to go toe-to-toe the whole movie. And Hackman's going to get top <clears throat> billed at that yeah, point. of course. You know? Denzel, yeah. at that point, has only won a supporting actor Oscar for glory. Mm-hmm. You know, Hackman's... He's been running it for, like, what, 20 years? Yeah. Or 15, something like that? Yeah, a long right. time. So, uh, that's the that's definitely the Crimson Tide moment, though there are some other great ones. The next one, Man on Fire. Yeah. The final eight, nine minutes of that movie is so good. It is so heartbreaking and beautiful. And it's because of the relationship between him and Dakota Fanning. So I'm going to preface this with my moment, which is a little different than what you're going to talk about here. Because this is like our moment where it's yeah. just like you can't fight it. But it's when they're sitting there and they're they're doing the blocks. Yep. And, you're, and <clears throat> you're watching this movie. And the only reason that that movie is even close to as good as it is is because Dakota Fanning and his relationship is perfect yeah. and completely believable. <clears throat> so the whole swimming analogy that they use and the metaphor and working with it the whole time, that leads to this very last moment of when they finally get the trade done and he gets to see her for the last time. And, tell, and so let's break this down. Well, the whole sequence is great because you have Rada Mitchell who's back in the car and she's got the brother. Freaking out. And yeah. she's freaking out. She's got like the shotgun and Denzel says something to her like, you know, if, if anything goes wrong, you kill him right here and mm-hmm. drive away. Um and on the other side, you've got these, you've got this family, this crime family, who's holding Dakota Fanning, and you know they're basically like, we, this fucker's killed so many of our people. We'll give the girl back. We can get him and torture him. Mm-hmm. And it's just great because their relationship is built so well. So they they he gets the bridge and they let they let uh, Dakota Fanning go, and she runs like a little kid. You know, yeah. she's got a little, little girl run. She runs towards him. At this point, we know Denzel's been shot. So and he's yeah. You, you, you don't he, know if it's fatal or not, but it's, he's struggling. Yeah, he's almost. He, he looks like he's almost dead already. Mm-hmm. He's kind of really stumbling along, and he sees Dakota Fanning, and she runs up, and you know she hugs him, and it's already really emotional. It's like a very emotional moment, and uh, and she's like, he's like, they didn't hurt you, and then she says to him, he's like, you're going home, and she goes, where are you going, crazy? And he's like, I'm I'm going home too. I'm going to the Blue Bayou. Going to the Blue Bayou. Yeah. And, uh, Chills right now. Yeah, I'm going to the Blue Bayou, and she looks at him, and she's like, I love you, crazy. Do you love me too? And he's he's kind of quietly like, "I love you." You know, I do more than anything. And then uh, she runs back, yeah. and he walks slowly, and he puts his <clears> hand <throat> up on his chest, and he sees the red dot laser on his hand. And like that whole li- little sequence of them on the bridge, the two minutes there is like it's like everything that's great about that movie. Yeah, the payoff is fucking it beautiful. It really is, and it really oh guys, go watch our Man on Fire episode. Yeah. Go watch the movie and go watch the Man on Fire episode because you will love it. Yeah. <sighs> All right. So as, let's move on to. Oh, sorry. Yeah. As we, as we continue moving. Okay. So deja vu. Um, this one's a little tougher. Yeah. This one's weird. So deja vu. You know that deja vu doesn't have a scene like a standout scene really, in the vein that we're talking about because if you look it up on YouTube, there's just one scene that gets played over and over again. Everybody clips, and that's the only scene you can find. And it's the scene when they're in the control room, and he basically realizes that they're looking into the past. Yeah. Uh, and he the, he shows the laser through and it blows the whole thing and shorts yeah. the whole system and he's very Denzel he's kind of stuttering as he says yeah. it I, I look I you know like that whole thing I, I, yeah. but uh, I don't think that's the scene I think the scene in this movie there's a few where the Denzelishness really shines through Denzelishness by the way it's stolen from the uh, 
the uh, Denzel Washington is the greatest actor of all time period podcast. Yes. Uh, Kevin Avery and W. Kamau Bell, great podcast. But um, I think it's the scene when he meets Paula Patton's dad. It's not even a Denzel moment. No, it's not. And and he actually doesn't really even say anything. It's yeah. just what the dad says. The dad's like, take these pictures of her, of Claire. He's like, I already Claire, got some. Claire Kutriver. Or something. He's yeah. Like, yeah. And he's like, no, it's that's not necessary. And he says, no, Officer Carlin, she has to matter to you. I know how these things work. She has to matter to you. She has to matter to you. And there's just like, that's like, that's the moment in the movie where you're like, oh, that's like a really fucking real moment. That's, that's like, it's, yeah, it's, <clears throat> again, it's what we were just talking about. There's that like, just a sliver, just a little taste of like something that's just, it really hits you. And and that moment, when when it's said in the movie, you almost don't want to let it affect you because it feels almost cheap. But then you realize, you're like, no, man, that's a dad. Yeah. Being like, no, this is my daughter. Yeah. Not just another person you're looking for. Totally. Um, and then there's also the moments of Denzel falling in love with Paula Patton through the screen, which yeah. is also, it's just so hard to kind of like put into one scene. Yeah, agreed. You know? I mean, that would be, those scenes would be the scenes we're really talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's that's that, those are definitely the moments. That, but I think that one represents kind of what we're talking the about. The feeling. Uh, the next one is in the Taking Appellum 1, 2, 3. And this is the one we've talked about the absolute most on the show. So the, I, first, I got to do the, I got to do the other one because we, we're not going to talk about that because it, however, it is so good yeah uh, this one's better so the one that I'm gonna reference is at the very end yeah when, when she's like well you need to get a, you need to get a, whole, a gallon of milk yeah it's like I, I, I can get a half gallon I can't get a whole gallon yeah. she's like I want a gallon of milk he's like, he's like alright what, what does he say at the he, very well, end he goes, he's on the phone and he's like so why do he's you, like if I don't you know he says if I don't come home you know tell her to Tell her to run straight at oh, the hurdles. You tell, tell her, her str- yeah. yeah. You tell her to run straight at the hurdles, and she's like, "Well, you tell yourself because mm-hmm. we need milk. You bring home a gallon." He's like, "I a, ga- a gallon. I could bring home a half, a half gallon. gallon. <laughs> I could bring home a half gallon." And like, <laughs> you don't know why it's a great line, but it's a, it's like they're saying so much about their relationship. Yeah. With with that little thing, for it's like we need you. Those are the moments, though, where I think about the whole process of one of these these Tony Scott movies getting made, everything from script <clears throat> to picture. And I think about a worse director lets that scene get cut or lets it get cut from the script because he doesn't think it matters or he makes it more obvious and tries to heavy hand it into just like, you tell our daughters I love them. Yeah. Okay, honey. I love you. I love you. I hope you make it. Yeah. You know, yeah. If it's like, you tell yourself. It's like, that is who Denzel would be married to. Yeah, right. And it's just something great about it. So that's the one. That's the one that that I love, but the other one. The other one is, and this is, if you look up Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 on YouTube, it'll just be listed as the Taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 intense scene. Yeah, I think that if we were trying to put this whole thing that we're talking about like this whole top, this whole segment yeah. into one moment to describe it. It's this. It's the scene. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So it's yeah. So Denzel's having the he's having this uh, this this argument with with uh, John Travolta who plays Ryder, and Travolta has now figured out that Denzel was part of this whole scandal where he lost his job and was demoted. Basically, they're arguing, and he's like. Tell me how you fucking did it. And he's like, and Denzel's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, if you don't fucking do it, I'm going to kill this kid. And so then Denzel's like, fine. All right, all right, slow, slow, all right slow down. Slow yeah. down. <clears throat> slow down. And he's like, I took a bribe. And everybody's listening on the radio, and everybody, and, and you, they, they, they do this great thing where they, they flash around the station for a second. Mm-hmm. They show this older guy with glasses who just the one look that he gives, it suggests like, He's probably somebody who's worked with Denzel for a long time who probably really believed him. Yeah. And then Denzel's saying now that he took the bribe and the guy's kind of having this moment of like, really? You're yeah. guilty? Um, and I, I, I took the bribe. Yeah. I took the bribe. And then he's like, tell me how you did it. And Denzel, so many things about the moment are so indicative of his characters in these movies. You know, he's like, I, I used the money to... I took $30,000. I used the money to put my kids through college. Okay? I have two I have two kids. And you're like, of course you have two kids. Of course you have two you have, kids. You're you Denzel have, Washington you in a movie. two beautiful daughters, probably. Yeah. And, uh, and of course you used the money to put them through college because it's incredibly noble. And you stole this money to put your kids... And you're so embarrassed and you're crying. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, <clears throat> But you're doing it to save this kid's life because you're the fucking most noble. You're a goddamn hero. Garber. You're a goddamn yeah. That's the fucking greatest moment. Uh, is that he's is you know uh, Travolta still holding the gun to the kid, and he's like, "Tell Officer Garber, thank you, he's like, thank you, Officer Garber," and he's like. Garber, you're my goddamn hero, man. Yeah, and you're like, everything about it is so heavy-handed and so pulpy, but so but fucking good. Perfect. It literally is just enough. And then when that scene ends, yeah, you're just like, I'm in. Yeah. I am on board with Denzel. All right. Uh, so the last one. Yeah. And is- this, I think what we should do is because this segues directly into fist pump moment. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Right? Did I just skip fist pump moment? Yeah, we just. But it's it's good because we're gonna we uh, we can oh, use our fist is. pump for this. All right, it's just yeah, it's just not registering because it's uh, poorly printed. Um, so yeah, this is. I mean, the reason that we do this is basically to replace fist pump moment because this yeah. movie unfortunately <clears throat> doesn't have as many like obvious fist pumps. No, except for this one. And this is the moment in the movie. This is the moment in the movie. It's the perfect moment. It's the Tony Scott Denzel moment. It's another fucking phone call. It's another phone call where you <laughs> find out that this guy is being way more noble yeah. than he needs to be. He's like, what is his name in this movie? I can't. Even, I just totally blanked it. Galvin or Gal- Gar- Garvin? Garvin? No, Gal- Galvin. Galvin is that's Kevin Dunn. What's what's Denzel's name? Oh, um, why did I just blank it? I don't know. Jack Frank. <laughs> Frank. He's like, if you do that, you're fired. I will, I will fire you. He's like. You already did. What? Yeah. It's like, you already fired me. Yeah. It's like, I got my 90-day do- notice 72 days ago. Yeah. It's like, you already fired me. Forced early retirement with half benefits. Half benefits. You're like, oh, God, oh, crap, company's going to fuck him. <laughs> like, God, come on, guys. He's Denzel. What are you doing? And you're like, he's got this yellow vest over here. He's got this rookie who's coming in. He Will Colson taking his job. And, uh, and Kevin Dunn's like, he's like, so you're telling me you're going to risk your life with 18, with three weeks left. What, you know, and he's like, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for you. Yeah. And you're like, God damn right, you're not doing it for him. Just doing it. And, and then, then, of course, Will Coulson, he gets fucking inspired. <laughs> and, he, and he's like, and he's like, Coulson, if you don't ta- you know, stop this train, I will fire you. I will fire you. And he's like, you're going to have to fire me. And then he's like, God damn it, did you hear what I just said? He's like, this is your conductor, Will Coulson. We're going to run this bitch down. <laughs> you're like, yeah! Yeah! That is the fist pump, which is also the great Tony Denzel moment. Yeah, of course. The Tony Washington, the Denzel Scott moment. It's everything that's great about him. Like, I I did the uh, premiere for Taboo, the new uh, FX show, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like two weeks ago, and Ridley Scott's producer on the show, and honest to God, I was really hoping that Ridley was going to be on that carpet, because I would have shaken his hand, and I would have said, I'm a huge fan of your movies, I want you to know, I miss your brother's work more than almost any director I can think of and I am such a fan and I just wanted to let you know that his work has really affected me and I'm sure you miss him a hundred times more than I could ever understand but I just want to let you know he made action movies and I'm an action movie fan and I fucking loved his work yeah I would I would love to say something along the same lines because Tony Scott is one of the most underappreciated directors of our generation ever ever and and it's because he did these movies that are kind of throwaway popcorn flicks that people kind of just brush under the rug but it's these moments that we just talked about. It's those things yeah. that it's so hard to find. It's so hard to recreate. And so, Tony, RIP, my brother. So that's the that's the consensus fist pump for the oh, both of us? Easy, yeah. right? I don't think there's any uh, any question on that one. So uh, let's move through the show, guys. Let's get into a little bit of star profiles, where you guys were in their careers when this film was made. Interesting places. Yeah, it's so weird. So Denzel, you've got, in 2007, he did The Great Debaters, which he got a golden globe nomination maybe yeah, he directed it as well i believe maybe yeah i think i got nominated for best picture at the golden globes as well but i can't remember um then you got taking a pelham 123 and then you got the book of eli the book of eli is just a- atrocious for me yeah. I- it was one of the worst things i've ever seen i think it was because i was so excited to see denzel again it'd been a while um but he's done like he's done gunning for oscars now he's in that that phase what we're talking about where he's just kind of the everyman action hero that just does things that he wants to do yeah and i think this is really the end of that phase because mm-hmm. flash forward two or three years and you have a movie like Two Guns which just kind of completely gets ignored no one really watches you have a movie like Safe House yeah oh yeah that reminds me um, guys fans out there if you're in the live chat and you've seen Safe House just throw your your thoughts on it real quick because yeah. I have been wondering about that movie for a long time yeah neither of us have ever <clears throat> taken the time to watch it um but yeah, and even even when you get to the Equalizer, which is which is really entertaining, and I like the Equalizer a lot. It's also a movie that was like released and promoted kind of in the same way that like John Wick was, where yeah, it's not it's an original concept. I think it's based on a television show, but it didn't come out, and and, and like people didn't see it. It was like it was basically a Netflix movie. It needed to be a Tony Scott movie. It yeah, would have been, yeah. It was basically a Netflix movie, and I think to some degree his you know Denzel's brand has degraded a little bit from the point that it was in the 2000s because he's a little older. It's a younger generation. Um, But I think that this kind of marks the end of that run. Like, it's basically training day in 01, and then the whole next decade is just these, like, man-of-action, big-budget movies. Because Flight is, like, 24, 15. Flight is so good. That's, like, classic Denzel. And he's going to win the Oscar this year for Fences. 
Yeah, you, so, you're, you're sure of it? You think so? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, positive. Seems seems pretty strong. So now he's in. So now he's in that phase that we always like to talk about, which is like the next ten years. Probably, he's not going to be playing the man of action roles. Yeah. You know, he, he was just in Magnificent Seven, but that to me feels like it's about as. I don't think we're going to see many more. You know, Equalizer Two comes uh, out probably this he's year. He's that awesome. And the thing about Equalizer is it's a very different type of action hero that he's been. Um, excuse me. He's like very older. Yeah. Very methodical, and it's because he's so well trained that he can still be one. It's not because he's like a badass fighter. It's because he's like he's perfect um, <clears throat> when it comes to fighting. But what I was going to say is that Denzel's in that phase of his career that we want so many of our favorite actors to get to. Yeah, right. That, like, noble old man where you can be, like, a grizzled savage, you know? Like, yeah. we want Tom Cruise to get there so bad. I, yeah. I wanted PSA to get there, PSH to get there so yeah. badly. But Den- Denzel's, what is he, like, 62? 62, about. Yeah. 61, 62, yeah. <clears throat> and obviously he still looks great. So he can play anywhere from early 50s to, like, I bet if with makeup in the 70s. Yeah. But, like, what if this is Denzel's, this is his real when he really hits his stride as an actor. Oh, what if man. he just starts going nuts with these Academy Awards? You yeah, know? it'd be and pretty like, cool. I mean, the craziest thing about Denzel Washington, for those listening who only know the Denzel that we talk about on here, um, like the action Denzel, I mean, even, it's funny, because even Training Day is still kind of the action Denzel. Like, yeah. it's even though <clears throat> that's like a drama. But if you go way back, guys, the first part of Denzel's career, it, way before Crimson Tide and any of this stuff, is oh, like... Yeah. He, I mean, if you start counting the movies he was in, like uh, Malcolm X, he gets an Oscar nomination. Glory. Crime Freedom, he gets an Oscar nomination. He wins an Oscar for Glory. I mean, all these old movies, Devil in a Blue Dress, like everything in the 80s into the early 90s, before, like, his, you know, all the Spike Lee movies he's in. Like, right. it's just a crazy career. It's like a whole different animal. And, you know, it's it's the, like those the late 90s into the 2000s, he becomes this action brand. But, like, that guy has a crazy resume. Uh, of movies that a lot of us have just never seen. It's so... You know, our, our discussion with Chris Pine is almost just as good for Denzel because <clears throat> everyone loves Denzel Washington. There's no one that doesn't like Denzel Washington. Yeah, agreed. But is he underrated? Because people, this last 10 years, people look at him and it's like, oh, he's, he's fallen off. But it's like, no, he does fences. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the guy. Everyone forgets, you know, glory and all those old things. But what I... <clears throat> I think that... And, oh, the other thing I was going to say is box office with all these movies that we've talked about. Yeah. Denzel has, makes not a lot of money. No, uh, I mean, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> compared to other superstar A-list leading men that have been around for 30 years, his box office numbers are minute compared to, like, Will Smith, Tom Cruise, like, yeah. these type of guys. Yep. Do you think he's underrated? You know, I think for the purpose of this conversation, we it's better to stick with the other one, because yeah. I, I, think, I think we would both come to the pretty obvious conclusion that he's underrated I just think we're you both think such fan- yeah. I think we're just both such fanboys that all of the things you're you're suggesting break down to Denzel really just being one of the all-time great actors I mean the other thing you have to remember is that like it's a black actor we're yeah. talking about here this is not this is not your average like your average white actor that sells a movie in a theater like yeah. the, the all the movies that we you know we cover on the show we see so much of the same the same crap like this is a black actor. There's not very many black actors that have the kind of lovability, credibility, box office draw. Like, he is one of the only ones ever. Yeah, we had the same conversation about a year ago or something when it was like, I don't remember if it was Michael B. Jordan or who. It was like, who's your biggest competition in Hollywood? I don't remember what movie we talked about. He was like, it's Denzel. Yeah, right. Denzel's 30 years older than you. Yeah. Why is he your biggest competition? Now, over the last year, you've seen with Black Panther coming out and all these other things that are happening and Fences and Moonlight and Lion. Like, it's happening. Finally. Yeah. Thank God there's going to be like 20 A-list young African-American actors out there that are getting billed, top billing, that are making millions overseas. Like, thank God we're at that point. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely <laughs> going in the, in the right direction, but uh, at least in the movie world. At least in the movie world. <laughs> uh, so moving on to Chris Pine, this is, this is, I mean, the dude gets Star Trek in 2009, he gets Carriers in 2009, and then he does a, t- a movie called Small Towns Saturday Night in 2010, which is like some stupid small what rom rom action something? I don't know I mean what's <clears throat> weird about this is that Chris Pine had been I think in uh, the Princess Diaries is that what it was yeah it's like a yeah Marissa so. 
Do you know that? The answer like to that the question? Prince with Anne Hathaway? Yeah. One? Yeah, yeah, I think so. The Princess what? Diaries? Is that the, is that where Chris Pine showed up originally with Anne Hathaway? Yeah, he was in the second one. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it was. So that's like a lot. He had a, he had a fan club from that. So Star Trek comes out in 09, and he, he kind of, Abrams wanted to cast relative unknowns, which is why Chris <clears throat> Pine's in that movie. The interesting thing about Carriers is Carriers was shot in 2006. That's like the kind of horror movie, right? Yeah, like it's like a virus, yeah, virus, yeah. like zombie type of movie. It was shot in 2006, and it's not very good, and they sat on it for a few years, and it didn't get released. It got like a tiny release, mostly online, Yeah, and they put it out there after Star Trek because now they had some credibility. Unstoppable is the first movie that he did after Star Trek. It's the first movie that came out and had a wide release with Chris Pine in it since after Star Trek was so big. Star yeah. Trek was huge. Oh, it was massive. And massive. It was, the first one is excellent. We covered that on the show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's great. Uh, really quickly, because we did ask, a lot of people were saying Safe House was fine. You know, it's good. It's where Denzel's a bad guy. Um, some people really, really love Two Guns, though, saying it's super badass. But actually, you know what? No, it's going back and forth. A lot of people like Safe House, so maybe it's something you and I need to watch. <clears throat> and then we can come back and do it on the show. And also watch Two Guns, because we and love Wahlberg guns. and Denzel. Yeah. And if it's, like, any good, we'll just do it on the show just to do it. Makes you believe anything he says he does. Denzel is an actor who makes you believe anything he says he does. I completely agree. Yeah. Oh, Joel. Joel does not like Denzel. Sorry. You can kick me out of here. I mean, you, Joel, we love you. You've been, I mean, he said right here, <laughs> Grizzled Cruise will be awesome. I, I know you're on the same page as us. I just can't believe you don't like Denzel. That's crazy, man. I think you might be the only person I've ever met that doesn't, doesn't like, like Denzel, Denzel. He's like He's like the consensus <clears throat> most loved. He's like the most loved. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. He's Black Paul Newman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, yeah. your own opinion. Uh, so with Chris Pine in 2009 in Star Trek... Yeah, we we love that. We thought he was perfect as Captain Kirk, right? Yeah, he's phenomenal. He's so good. James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so the question becomes with Chris Pine. At this point in his career, we have Chris Pine in a major role in Wonder Woman coming up this year. Yeah. Um, he, he's been in three Star Trek movies. A few movies along the way, like This Means War, which Roxy Stryer loves to death. You is, know, my buddy Tom, who is, he's like the biggest Tom Hardy fan with me, yeah. he loves that movie as This well. Means War? Yeah. <laughs> It so. comes up. I've still never seen it. Roxy's always like, you have to see that movie. It's great. All right. I well, don't believe you. Maybe one day. Um, so so uh, Chris Pine, is he overrun, Is he overrated, underrated, or properly rated? Yeah. Um, and guys in the live chat, feel free to tweet at us at AMA Podcast. Put it in live chat. Let us know what you think. Is he over, under, properly? And give us a few words of why you believe that. Where are you at? <clears throat> Jeez. I feel like at this point, it's... I feel like at this point, it's... Chris Pine is underrated. Um, I think he's underrated. Do you think he should be getting more work? I think that um, a couple or things. Different type of work. I think a couple things happened with Chris Pine. So the the biggest movie that he just is in right now is that he has a starring role in Hell or High Water, which just got nominated for Best Picture. Yes, and I keep hearing from everyone how great that movie it's phenomenal. is. Phenomenal, yeah. really, really, really good movie. Um, so I think a little bit Chris Pine had the had the thing happen to him where he kind of came out of nowhere as like a leading man heartthrob and he was in Star Trek and Mm -hmm. I think because of the nature of Star Trek and how approachable that movie was and so many kids saw that movie his brand went in kind of a weird direction um to try to appease a younger audience you think I just think that his brand went in a weird direction I think like a movie like Unstoppable is just generic enough to throw the guy in you know and and they had been this movie had been in development since 2004 so i think the studio was just like he was just in star trek it was big let's just film this let's just get it made and we'll put chris pine alongside denzel that's great he's a great you know leading man to be you know a little bit less prominent than denzel in this movie and i think after that the next few years of his career was really just star trek stuff like he you know he has a couple things here and there like we said but this means war but a lot of what he did was pretty irrelevant or small compared to the Star Trek releases. Now, finally, when things started to slow down and the third Star Trek movie was, you know, like, not exciting anymore. It's, it's not like... Yeah, the, it's, it wasn't like the first one or the second one. The sequel was a big deal. Yeah. The third one's kind of like, we're making another Star Trek movie and this you like this Star Trek crew, so go see it. So I think this last year, you know, he was in Finest Hours, which is another, like, that was a big, you know, Casey Affleck and Ben Foster. It's the, it's like the... I totally forgot he was in that movie. Yeah. So there's... He's got these, he's got these, like, sort of a little bit more dramatic art house movies like Hell or High Water coming out. And I think the world isn't seeing him for who he is yet. Yeah, because, I mean, like you said, a lot of those really good-looking young guys that get put in a huge role, they just get pigeonholed into that and kill some of their careers and other people uh, thrive off of it. And I think Chris is one of them. Um, <clears throat> I think he's a really good actor, and I think the world's going to see more of that soon. Exactly. 
I, I couldn't agree more. I think that he... Hmm, it's really tough, man. It's hard to say that the guy that was just in Hell or High Water and the guy that's the lead in Star Trek movies and that has this amazing career ahead of him is underrated. He's in the new Wonder movie, so I think I have to say he's properly rated. Okay. <clears throat> the reason I say that is because he is getting chances to do indie art house films and he is being recognized for them whilst hopping on the biggest train there is yeah which or bandwagon or whatever you want to call it which is the marvel movies and D- then dc Wonder Woman or dc yeah, i'm yeah. sorry i don't know why i said marvel um <clears throat> the comic book movies is what i was trying to say the yeah, comic yeah. book universe um yeah i think he's properly rated and i think the reason to say that is, is what i said he's getting these roles he's getting appreciated for me and he hasn't ever done anything where i've been like god damn it chris pine right you know like i just can't watch you in this yeah and i i haven't seen small town saturday night i haven't seen this means more wasn't he in uh uh Smoking Aces, wasn't that him? Yeah, he's great in Smoking Aces. They're he plays crazy, like a crazy right? neo-Nazi yeah. that's like with his brothers. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk about because you were saying Prince's uh, Diaries, and I was like, "There's another movie that I loved yeah. him in. Super cool because he's not attractive in it. He's crazy. You see a moment of it when he kind of puts on a suit, and you're like, "Huh, that's a really good-looking man." Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. You know what? Underrated. Just for that. Just yeah. for bringing up Smoking Aces, he's underrated. So true story, guys. At the Hell or High Water premiere, um, <laughs> this is like a weird thing to bring up, but. I gotta say, Chris Pine was dressed in a very strange outfit. Uh, <laughs> Where are you going with this? It's, it was kind of weird. Uh, so, I mean, he's look. This is the outfit that he wore to a red carpet. So it's not like I'm like exposing information here. This is yeah. like what he was taking pictures in. But he was wearing these like '70s looking polyester pants that were so tight on his ass. Oh no! I mean, it looked. It seriously looked like he had thrown basketballs into his pants. It was. <laughs> I remember I was standing there with another journalist, and we kind of looked at each other. And it was a girl, and she, like, said something, and I was like, thank God you said something about that. Because <laughs> You're like, I didn't want to be the only one staring at his ass. It's freaking me out. And he had, like, a tucked-in, like, big-collared 70s-looking shirt. Really handsome guy, but, like, I was like, Jesus. Like, who you're, dressed you? Who dressed you? <laughs> who put you in those pants? You know, it's like that I, scene. In, it's like that scene in Superbad when he's like, you fucking shop at Baby Gap. And that's why. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you had a picture of that badly. It's probably. I'm it's, sure it it's is. It's probably out there. But Chris Pine polyester pants. Yeah, it was pretty funny. So <laughs> anyway, talking about uh, who made this movie, how it got made. Uh, we've talked a lot about Tony Scott already. So we probably will stay away from talking to him t- about him too much. Uh, the one thing we did not mention is that Tony Scott jumped off a bridge on August 19th, 2012. <clears throat> um and he was battling crippling depression, and it turned out in the end that he had been battling cancer. Yeah. Um, it was originally disputed, but then years later, his brother came out and confirmed it. So, super sad. Uh, they were he was <clears throat> said to be doing uh, scouting locations for Top Gun Two while he did it. Um, we don't have it this time in our breakdown, which we usually do. But you guys should go to Wikipedia and read about Tony Scott because there's an excellent art excerpt in there that uh, a journalist wrote about Tony Scott using Denzel as his muse and not only is it just written so well it's, it's it's very beautifully put and I think that if you appreciate these films you will really really appreciate that uh, little thing that she says yeah it's awesome it's great so uh, the writer on this movie Mark Bomback is the only writer on this movie which is really interesting very rare yeah, yeah there's no he, he's, a, he's just like a big Hollywood has been around he's in his mid 40s um, yeah his, his breakout movie was that movie Godsend do you remember with Greg Kinnear? Yeah. And because uh, I, I just saw it, I was like, God said. Rebecca Romaine and De Niro is the weird surgeon, and they clone their dead son, and it's like a creepy movie. Oh yeah. Right. That, he that was the first movie he ever wrote, and he co-produced or like it. his big one. Okay. That's his like his breakout, and then the next movie that he does after that is Live Free or Die Hard. He writes the movie, which is awesome. Yeah, which is great. And then, but then you look at a lot of the other stuff. It's like. The Wolverine, which is not very good. Um, Total Recall, the reboot, which I heard was terrible. Not very good. Unstoppable, like, I don't really know if you would call this a good script. It's just a very generic script. It's mm-hmm. it's fine. Like, Yeah, uh, it's not... Yeah. Yeah, Insurgent. And then he did the sequel to Planet of the Apes, and he's got the new one that's about to come out, War of the Planet of the Apes. So he there's wrote Dawn, and there's Rise, and there's War. Yes. The, uh... Oh, but he didn't write the first one. He didn't do the first, first one. one. so good. The second one's still really good. So he is, like, <clears> one <throat> of these guys where he is just... Rock solid. Yeah. Been working very consistently, clearly has made great money, um, has worked on some of the biggest movies, like, he just has an understanding of story. If you, if you think about a lot of these movies, it's like a movie like Unstoppable, um, or a movie like, what's the other one? Live that Free I, or Die Hard is... Yeah, they're just very, very, very basic scripts. Yeah. Like, but it's funny that this is the guy who Godsend was his movie, or Unstoppable, he wrote 
unstoppable and had been working on it since like 2002 2003 which is crazy that it took him eight like eight ish years to write that script and that it's cool it, it it is very nice when you see that there's only one writer that works on something and that people have the faith in him to not bring in rewrites and not fire yeah. you know so i also think it's like super <clears throat> interesting when you think about the, the common age of like a successful screenwriter in his position if you look they're very often over 40 yeah. like they seem to often be in their 40s and 50s but often, like, their first credit won't have come until, say, like, maybe they were in, like, their late 30s. And what you find out is that a lot of the movies that they write, they've been working on or they've had the script for, like, 10 years. Yes. So what I think is interesting is that when a writer gets their first shot and they have a, a, a hit, they're like, well, I have these other seven scripts that I've worked on. Or, you know, I, I have mm-hmm. these 12 other scripts I've written. Um Maybe you want to look at this one. Yeah. And that seems to be the thing that happens. Or it's like, do a couple for us, and then maybe we'll look at this yeah. that you're doing, you know. And <clears throat> our good friend Anthony, who wrote Warrior, we see that a lot with him. And, like, the projects that he's always getting involved with is, like, the dude didn't do anything, really. And then he wrote Warrior. And now the guy is just, he's always writing All something new, working yeah. on this brand, like, massive franchise or this new, like, yeah. yeah so... For a writer, <clears throat> it's just like anything else in this business. I just think it happens later on. You where just need the break. You get the break, and then you just go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Tony Scott, we mentioned. We talked about him already. He is one of the producers on this movie. Aside from that, I mean, Scott Free Productions, which is the production company he and his brother uh, formed in the 90s, that's that's the production company behind this. You have a guy named uh, Eric McLeod. Mm-hmm. So he produced Tropic Thunder, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, two of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels. Um, he's kind of like the heaviest heaviest hitter on this um julie yorn is a little smaller of a producer but she is a producer on hell or high water okay so that's an obvious connection there maybe rogers is credited as one of the five producers this is one of six credits total she has in the only feature major feature film she's an actress she's a hundred acting credits i don't know why with mimi rogers i just keep thinking of that chick from the drew carey show mm. wasn't that the big like really you know, you never watched Drew Carey show. No. She like looked like a clown. She was like very large, and I think her name was Mimi. But anytime I look at this name, that's <laughs> the only thing that pops in my head. <laughs> Don't know uh, why. And uh, and then last but not least, you have Alex Young, who's just slightly smaller. You know, six or ten credits. Like not a, not a crazy spread of producers on this. You basically had uh, Eric McLeod and then Scott Free Productions, Julie Orn a little bit. Yeah, I mean, with movies like this, when they don't cost a whole lot of money and they're not expected to win Academy Awards or you know become a massive blockbuster success, you find these like. Large teams of newer producers with like a couple heavy hitters. Yeah, you get a couple heavy hitters exactly. So um, there was a lot with the budget. You, if you want to jump, yeah, in on this yeah. Stuff. So with the budget, like I was saying, it was not too crazy. It's a hundred million dollars. Makes sense. Um, opened November twelfth in twenty ten. It grossed eighty one million dollars domestic and uh, eighty six worldwide for a grand total of one hundred sixty seven million dollars. Um, so not great. No, you know. Uh, and it opening weekend, it was at number two. Uh, at 22 million behind Mega Man in its second week at 29 million. So it, it no one was really that excited about Unstoppable coming out. Yeah, the Mega Mind was the movie with um with uh, Will Ferrell. Ferrell and Brad Pitt, right? Yeah. It was like the animated movie. Yeah, which I also think wasn't very good, right? Yeah, it just kind of came and flops. went. Yeah. Kind of came and went. <clears throat> yeah, there was there was discrepancies with the budgeting on this movie. Uh, the original budget was a little closer to 110. They were trying to bring it down to 100, and even Tony Scott wanted to get it down to closer to 90. The studio asked Denzel to take a $4 million discount on his $20 million demand, and Scott to take a $3 million discount on his nine. And uh, I don't think, I think Denzel dropped on the project at that point. Oh, really? He was like, he was like nah. this is disorganized, I'm not going to do it. And then Tony Scott came back to him within two weeks and uh, pitched him on a new idea, and they, they went ahead and made the movie. Tony can make it happen. Now, this is where I am just blown away. Yeah, so this movie was nominated for Academy Award in editing, uh, film editing, um, <clears throat> but it has a six point eight on IMDb, and then, respectively, all top and audience critics on Rotten Tomatoes, all critics give it eighty seven, top critics give it a ninety. It's so bizarre. And the audience gives it a seventy two. Every single one of those numbers is too high. Yeah, and ninety is incredible to me. Yeah. It seems like a mistake. It does. I can't really believe top critics would give this movie ninety percent. I mean. There's nothing... I, I mean, it's clean, like you That's said. That's what I said. It's, yeah. it's the simplest of all the movies. If Deja Vu succeeds in some ways, it totally fails in, in other ways, in the sense that the second half is so preposterous and yeah, ridiculous. Like trying to tell a linear story in that movie as well, whereas the, this is... yeah. People criticize his movies in, in sometimes for, for taking themselves too seriously and being overlong. Man on Fire gets criticized for its violence. Mm-hmm. Um, taking <clears> Pelham <throat> 1, 2, 3 gets criticized for over-dramatizing and, and just taking away from like you know remaking a much better original... Um, Crimson Tide gets criticized yeah. for being kind of like two of its time, sort of too much of a Bruckheimer action movie. Right. This movie is just like simple and good, and the relationships between those two characters, 
they have a good solid relationship everything is just right it's like only an hour and 38 minutes i think yeah yeah no it, it is very <clears throat> it is clean and i was like when they're starting to get up to the train and, and all that and I was, I was wondering how much time was left and there was 20 minutes and i was like okay this is perfect this is yeah. exactly how long this movie needs to be if it's any longer it's self-indulgent i still disagree just, <laughs> i still disagree though that's just crazy to me but hey I'm down. I'm yeah. Just all the more reason to love Denzel and Tony. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> let's move on to the next section of the show, guys. This is going to be favorite line. Yes. Uh, this is pretty simple. It's another one of those ones where favorite line and fist pump are so closely related on this movie uh-huh. for me. But there are some other really good lines in this movie. Um, yeah, so mine is the one that I, I was mentioning earlier where it was like, only Den- Denzel could say that. And he's like, now we're going to come from behind. I'm going reverse. And the guy's like, what? It's like, yeah, you know, long hood, lean back. <laughs> like, did you say long hood, lean back to Kevin Dunn as a reason for why you're going to disobey his orders to take this train? Okay. Yeah. Okay, Denzel. Okay. Okay. All okay. right. Long then. hood, lean back. I love that line. I had to rewind it because it just made me laugh so hard. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I like um, I like that first that first interaction about their families when they're, when they're in the train. And uh, he's like, you have any kids? He's like, yeah, I got two beautiful daughters. And he's like... Uh, you know they're working to put their way through college, yeah. and he's like, "Where do they work? Hooters." Hooters, and they start laughing. He's like, "You're blushing." <laughs> he's like, "It's okay. I've heard it before." Yeah, yeah. That whole it's that was like one of the smaller interactions where you're like, uh, on paper, that would just seem simple and funny and yeah. doable, and like, <clears throat> and it is, and it's it made me smile each. I've seen this movie like six times, and watching it again, it's like that moment makes you laugh, not because it's like slapstick. But just because, like, yeah, in the the real life guy, because this is based on a true story, it actually is a real thing that happened. Um, they yeah. embellished a little bit, but yeah, obviously. The, the guy uh, who Denzel is playing had two daughters, and they worked at Hooters. Yeah, and it's, it's the type thing. of thing where if you said that, the guy that you just met yeah. would laugh. Yeah, if you're like, I got two daughters and they work at Hooters, how do you not, as the guy, be like, Yeah, his two daughters yeah. are gorgeous, by the way. They are very pretty. Yeah, and they are cheering like they're watching a game yeah for a lot of it and then they get really sad when yeah. they see their dad so i had a little hard time with that part um <clears throat> yeah, yeah like, they're very very pretty i like that one a lot i also like um i can't think what his name is in the movie denzel for some reason i'm like blanking no, on I it i can't either um, and my phone died yeah it's like can you tell me where to find frank something i want to say but, frank yeah. yeah i think it's i think it's frank um garver no, yeah garver <laughs> but uh Frank Carlin, um, Frank no, <laughs> but uh, I like when when Chris Pine work, first walks up and he's like, "Can you can you tell me where to find Frank, whatever?" And the guy's like over there. And he's like, "Good luck," and you're like, <laughs> "You're yeah. like, you're like oh, he must be a handful because yeah. he's, he's Denzel." Even though like he's not like why would he say that because it's it's not the yeah. Denzel is not a dick in this movie no not at all he's he's, a, he's like very good at his job he's really reasonable yeah. he's <laughs> really incredibly easy to work with really honest and nice and like supportive and like. And, like, uh, in the very beginning, when they start to, like, go back and forth, he's like, all right. You know, he's the first one to stop it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> I do really like what you just said, though, about um, your interact that interaction between them and then, like, on paper, seeing that in the script and just being kind of boring and looked over. That's, like, why Denzel is so great is he takes scenes like that and you talk about it on your talk show. Yeah. It's, like, something that would be thrown away anywhere <clears throat> by most other actors but he has such like a light levity playfulness about it yeah in delivery you're like I want to fucking hang out with you so bad yeah yeah. so I just thought that was a cool thing to point he's out he's a top 10 interview for me man it's a guy that I I'm going to lose it the day I get to interview the guy absolutely so, um, so uh, we're going to move on to the AMA question of the day this is uh, from old old time listener Brian Hurst yes. one of our favorites and uh, the question he had is will you be playing the SNL parody trailer yes Marissa <laughs> Can we cue the tape, please? This is amazing. I'm so happy <laughs> that you asked this, Brian, and love you, buddy. <laughs> so good. Have you seen this? Uh, no. Uh, that man. was it. Thanks for watching Thanks that. For watching. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we probably had You love the Marvel Universe. Uh-oh. Avengers Age of Ultron. This is a, this is a, I feel like Captain? this is a trip. This feels like an ad. Movie started. Um, dude, the... Logan trailer. Yeah, it looks great. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. This guy, I can't think what the, the actor's name is who plays Denzel in this, but he's like, there it's we go. so good. All hope rides. So you're my new partner, huh? I didn't know I was running a daycare center. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know I was working at a retirement home, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> that's great. man train with eight freight cars of hazardous chemicals with no air brakes. It's not a train. It's a missile the size of the Chrysler building. <laughs> Let's do this, rookie. Don't call me rookie, old man. I know trains. <laughs> Where'd you learn trains, huh? Thomas the Tank Engine? Yeah, where did you learn trains, old man? From inventing them? <laughs> <laughs> So good. Stop that train now. It gets worse. It's on a collision course with a train full of kids on a field trip. It gets worse. The field trip was to a petroleum refinery and they all brought home souvenir gasoline. That's enough flaming kids to hold hands in a circle around the Chrysler building. What are we gonna do? Relax, Rugrat. Don't soil your diaper, huh? Don't soil your depends, old man. <laughs> <laughs> insulting me and I'm allowing it. Guys, what's the status? It seems we're coming to a begrudging respect for each other. When we met, we <laughs> begrudging respect for each other. But now it appears we have more in common than we thought. Now, what did you want to say? A nursing home shuttle bus got stuck on the track. Boom! <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be a way to stop it. We're trying to figure that out, but we're going through a hundred years of files. It's like trying to find a needle in the building. You're oh. too young. You're too old. I love this guy. <laughs> okay. Here's the worst news yet. There was a train on top of the okay. runaway train that's like a Chrysler building on top of a Chrysler building. Chugga, chugga, choo, choo. <laughs> Good news. We were able to get the runaway on the emergency track. Where does that go? Uh, 42nd and Lexington in New York. That's a Chrysler building. <laughs> His Denzel is amazing. It's really good. It's so okay. good. <laughs> yeah. All right, then. All right. Okay. I love uh, this guy. <laughs> my man. That's so good. Oh, thanks, that's Hurst. Wonderful. Yeah, thanks, Hurst. That was great for bringing that up. Um, all right. So uh, we will not be ranking or recasting. So which of the three action movie categories does this movie fit into? That's a good one. Yeah, it's uh, actually it's actually a legitimate conversation. There's uh, there's three action movie categories, guys. There's totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, ridiculously legitimate. Um Totally legitimate are movies like The Fugitive and Terminator uh, Two. Terminator Two, yeah, they hold together with a lot of drama. They they don't really make you laugh unintentionally at any point. Totally ridiculous are movies like Con Air, Face Off, um, really kind of silly movies that you laugh the whole time, but they're great. We still love them. They're just just yeah. a little sillier. And then there's ridiculously legitimate or legitimately ridiculous as we call it, and um, movies like The Rock, Point Break, Speed, They Predator. They're like they're great. They 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 make you laugh here and there unintentionally, but they're yeah. driven by one really strong element, like a great performance or mm-hmm. a really compelling plot or maybe just a great script. Yeah. Um, God, this one is really tough. Yeah, I think I'm going to jump in first, and I think I'm going to say that it's ridiculously legitimate. And I think the reason that I say that is because it's inspired by true events. There aren't really moments other than just like me being in love with Denzel and fanboying yeah. out that I, I kind of laugh unintentionally. Um, yeah, I don't... It's, it's not totally legit for sure like I can't just say it's totally legit for me and I feel like that's where you're leaning and I mean it makes sense but for me I just I just can't get on board like I there's too much stupidness going on I think throughout for me to I don't know because it's based off true events I just like that, that I keep coming back to this like how could this ever happen yeah it did kind-ish it kind of it's embellished a little yeah. bit. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm sticking to it. I'm going middle category. Ridiculously legitimate because I laugh at it unintentionally a couple times, but for the most part, it's, it is a very clean, straightforward movie. Um, yeah. It's ridiculously legitimate. It's not yeah. totally legitimate. It's it's close for me, and I, I can make an argument for totally legitimate. What, what is your argument? I guess it's that like I don't find myself laughing out loud at things in this movie mm-hmm. except for things that I only am doing that because of I, because I know what I'm watching, like okay. because I know what I'm looking for. Because I love Tony Scott Denzel, so the things that I would want to pay attention for that are part of what they do are so apparent to me when I see them that it's hard for me not to laugh. Okay. But I think... Okay. I think that this movie is just... It's just simple and done well for what it is Mm -hmm. because it's a fucking movie about a runaway train with two guys trying to stop it. It's not a movie. It's not a a period piece drama. It's not a movie about a doctor trying to solve cancer. Yeah, if they would have put, like, terrorists on the train also that were, you know, that would have made it probably completely (laughs) ridiculous. This movie makes me feel like trains are terrorists. Exactly. (laughs) But the fact that it is just a train that's run away and it's very, yeah, yeah. Middle category. So it's the middle. It's close. But, um, yeah, that's that's that. So then the last category we're going to talk about today is the, the pitch. <laughs> so uh, we have a good slate of movies coming up over the next few weeks. We have some guests coming back. 
Um, but for next week, because two weeks from now it's going to be John Wick. Yes. John Wick 2. Can't wait. Can't wait for that. Um, we had one of our fans, one of you guys, I post can't. your wish list. I, I can't remember his, the names. Killian Hegarty? Does that sound nah, right? It no, wasn't. it wasn't. Was, I tweeted at him. I I, there was two lists that got posted. Yeah, and then yeah. there was a few other. There was there was there was a, probably like four or five total that got shared with us. Yeah. So uh, for anybody watching or listening, that that if you have listened to or know about the show and and have movies that you would love to see that you've wanted to see for a long time, I know there's a few like The Crow. The Crow is a good one. Um, Hard Boiled is one that gets thrown out there a lot. We've the heard Raid. The Raid. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. There's Ghost in the Darkness. Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah. yeah. There's some movies that consistently get thrown in less heat. But um, mm-hmm. post your list, guys. Find us on Twitter. At AMA Podcast, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You can find me at Andrew Guy. Uh, and we will post a reminder for this uh, that in the next 24 hours, and by Friday, we'll put up a poll with what we think are two or three of the best options. Yep. And then and, we just you guys to vote on that. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do next week. We'll announce the movie on Sunday or Monday so everybody can have a chance to watch before the show next week. Uh, thanks for tuning in for the yeah. Unstoppable episode, guys. This has been a blast. Um, go back and watch all five of the Denzel Tony Scott movies. They're very special to us. Uh, and thanks for uh, thanks for watching the show today. Took the words out of my mouth. Take care, guys. Thanks. Bye, guys. From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Popcorn Talk Network or its owners or principals.